Hello, this is Ken Barron with the National Association of Black and White Men together, asking you to subscribe at our platforms, like us and comment. So on with the show. Today I want to talk about protests and what works uh, with uh, protests and what now is ahead of us in terms of the fight for Roe versus Wade. As a member of the organization, that is mostly gay men, we forget the work women did in the AIDS crisis, for example. So we should move to help the women who value reproductive rights. If you listen to my podcast or read my blogs, you will know I report on activism that works. What does not work? In general, while marches may provide a boost to the participation to participants in the short term, it takes a long while to make a difference. But we should still take to the streets. We will invariably ask what exactly uh, this and these events are going to accomplish, which laws will be overturned, whose rights will be restored, how will anyone's life get better because of all of this. For example, thousands of people across the country will continue to protest the Supreme Court's leaked draft decision overturning Roe versus Wade. Millions of Americans seem willing to go out into the streets to protest, perhaps more than even in the 1960s, and I started doing so. More people than ever also seem to doubt the pragmatic and political power of street action. Two of the biggest protests action in America, American history took place in the past five years. The Women's March in 2017, which drew an estimated 3 million to 5 million people from all around the country, and of course, the recent summer of George Floyd, which brought out millions more here and around the world. But you could look at these two marches and claim that they accomplished little outside of social media posts, spate of diversity workplace initiatives, and a handful of political promises, like disbanding the Minneapolis Police Department that were quickly walked back. Abortion rights are now on the chopping block. Unarmed black people are still being shot by the police, who have seen increases in their budgets in cities across the country. It is difficult to fundamentally change American institutions. Few organizers believe that getting people to march together will immediately lead the powers that be to meet all of their demands. But the goal is to create an event in which people who are outraged can gather together and make connections, test new ideas, and build the infrastructure for political action, and then it will get built. The Floyd protests, for example, lead to a boost in voter uh, registrations for Democrats. The point is the people. I looked at the history of the fight to overturn Roe versus Wade and found it took 50 years of dedicated organizations. Likewise, the anti-abortion movement has used street protests, sometimes violent, at abortion clinics, state legislation buildings, and big gatherings. Consider Justice Alito's under lying draft about abortion. He said, quote, if 
it's illegitimate to protest rights that aren't laid out clearly in the text of the Constitution. His writing exudes hostility. Behind the streets, the anti-abortion people use the corporate-funded American Legislation Exchange Council, known as ALEC, and it was funded by global corporations and state politicians who want to rewrite, rewrite state laws that govern your rights. In addition, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, for example, didn't extend the ranks of the conservative judiciary through the traditional pathway of Ivy League schools. Instead, Barrett's nomination can be attributed to the way she appealed to the religious activists who had expanded their power in the conservative legal movement. For decades, as Roe stood anti-abortion activists made incremental progress at the state level, much of which took years to secure. And then there is the religious factions. In 1968, a group of Catholic bishops opposed state abortion laws. As the movement grew, it dropped its affiliation with the church and grew to become one of the most influential anti-abortion organizations in the country. This leads me to the theory that those on the right are better at organizing than those on the left. They seem to believe much more in its power than their counterparts on the other side. Progressives lack institutional support and elected officials who turn that energy into policy. Republican politicians do not denounce protests from their side. When faced with mass demonstrations from progressive, they pass anti-protest laws to suppress the right to organize. Doesn't this show a belief in the potential power of public dissent? You don't make it harder for people to protest in the streets because you think the whole process is silly and pointless. You make it harder because you actually respect its power. The democratic establishment's response to progressive demonstration is to pat the protesters on the head and then, when the streets are cleared, blame them for the party's failure. This week, Tim Ryan, the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate seat in Ohio, released an ad saying, quote, defunding the police is way off the mark. So he was choosing to define himself by disparaging activists who have barely been seen by a television camera since the end of 2020. Does nobody in America hate the idea of protests more than established liberal politicians? Well, the future of reproductive rights well, it rely on the willingness of those liberal politicians to stand with the millions who will head to the barricades. It will be on them to find a solution that represents the 62% of Americans who do not want to see Roe versus Wade overturned. The breadth of the draft of Justice Samuel Alito's opinion on this is astonishing. This could open the door for challenges to other ones, settled protections, whether, whether of gay marriage or even school desegregation laws. Do we need to try for a Maximilian approach because of the Republicans will not stop at just row? Or should the message be about the threat it poses to the lives of women? Many of the personal liberties we now consider fundamental 
like abortion and interracial and same-sex marriage and are not enumerated in the Constitution. They find their justification in the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. This was written specifically to protect the rights of once enslaved Americans who were being re-victimized by restrictive racist laws in southern states. The answers will likely be found at demonstrations and in organizing meetings. No politician will lead, and solutions like court packing and abolishing the filibuster seem impossible at this stage. So people, they need to take to the streets. I recognize it's tough for people to leave their homes to protest an injustice. Now is not the time to worry about the expected value one expects to receive in return for a day spent at the barricades. We should not care um, group, which group gets to lead. The politics that emerge from these protests need to be large and active. There is no such thing as a good protester or a bad protester. The good protester is the one who shows up. I have long believed in allies like Vote Save America or Mobilize.us, for example, but no people should think of themselves as only allies. They should march, write and call friends, legislators, and they should organize by whatever means. We can't take anything for granted. This is Ken Barron. I'm uh, with an NABWNT. Thank you for listening and asking you to subscribe to our channels. Thank you.